came from heaven and confined himself. He came from outside of creation, that's right, and confined himself within creation. And it really struck me, that use of the word confine. And, um, you know, God was in that place, wasn't he, of ultimate and utter freedom, liberty, and expanse. And yet he came, Jesus came, the Son of God came, and willingly confined himself to creation, within the limits of creation. And also, not just that, but it was a fallen creation. He himself, of course, was not fallen, but it was a fallen creation. And I just found that so amazing that he would willingly confine himself from what he'd experienced and all that he knew and all that he was. He was willing to come and to do it. And of course, he did it for two purposes, really. One, the ultimate, I suppose, was to find that way, to make that way to overcome evil once and for all. And in doing so, to redeem mankind. Or those as we sang, who would gladly bow the knee now, who would gladly choose him. I'll just read this scripture just as we're meditating on Jesus and adoring him and worshipping him. He just says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself yet further and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God also has highly exalted him and give him him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth. Christ is Lord, to the glory. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And Lord, we gladly this morning confess how wonderful you are, Lord Jesus, and how grateful we are for all that you've done, for your willingness to confine yourself into this creation, Lord, that you would redeem us and overcome evil to create a future for us which is perfect and beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Jesus, our prayer is that you'll accept our heart of worship this morning, whether it's in song, in thought, in words, or in gifts, of our offering we pray you bless what we are giving that it it will honor you but it may also return a blessing to us to speak life to us to reflect in us your own generosity in Jesus name Toby is going to lead us in one more song for now Uh, and then I'm going to ask Gerard to come up when he finishes uh, and share with us and then whatever you feel you may have to encourage us with please bring it this morning thank you so much for the warm welcome it's a great privilege and blessing 
for Jeannie and I, and I'm delighted that my son Ben's there, and our new grandbaby, Charlie. Charlie. So it's fantastic for us to, uh, to be with you this morning, and thank you so, so much for all your love, your support, and all your prayers. For those of you who don't know us, we're missionaries in America, and yes, America desperately needs missionaries. <laughs> We are, we are involved with two ministries, Awakening to God Ministries, which is based on the scriptures we were hearing earlier on. It's for the prisoners. But also, more recently, we've been involved with a ministry called Prayer at the Heart, which is all about igniting a great awakening across America and hopefully around the world. And we believe there is only one hope for America, and that is a great awakening. God's done it in the past. And we believe he's about to do it again. You know, uh, this next year, 2024, apparently is the year of the open doors. Did you know that? The year of the open doors. There's new opportunities. And we have to be ready for that. Jeannie pointed out to me the other day as well that uh, 2024, the the numbers add up to eight. And if you know, the, the, the numbers eight mean new beginnings. You're believing for a new beginning in 2024. Well, we are. And there's been very exciting things that are stirring underneath the surface, so to speak, in America. And they're based on three things. The three things that Jesus really told us to do. One, that we should be one. Who's we? It's Christians. If my people, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, that's all Christians who know and love Jesus, who, uh, who, who will um, call by my name, so it's all about Jesus, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, I will, uh, and turn from their wicked ways, I'll come and heal their land. So we have, we're... Basing what we're doing on Scripture, John 17, 20, uh, 20 to 21 to 23, Jesus talks about unity. He actually says that they may be one, even as we are one, then the world will know. So we want to share it with you, Lizzie, on the with Scripture. In fact, before I went over to America on this calling, 2021, I think I shared it with you, Lizzie, or maybe Martin. I'd had this vision, this is before I'd even heard of prayer at the heart, of these angels circling around overhead, like a plane waiting to land. And the Lord said to me, he said, when my people align with my word, it will open up a portal for the armies of heaven to be released. Amen? And we need the armies of heaven in these days, don't we? We need the presence of God to come in a way, like he's done before, to turn the nation around to be worshipping Jesus. One last in-gathering of souls. That's what we're believing for. So there's three things. One is unity. Secondly is prayer. My house will be known as a house of prayer. And third is the Great Commission, that we should go. That's why we're still here on earth. Many of us hope, can't wait to be in heaven, but we're here on mission, yeah, to see precious souls rescued for eternity. Now, unity is very interesting. Recently, the Lord showed me uh, Genesis 11. I hadn't seen it before. I'm sure you all have. Um, but there's a verse in there. Remember, they were in rebellion to God, and they were going to, be, uh, to, to build uh, Babel. In the, UK, in the US, they say Babel. So you would excuse me if some of these words slip out. Babel. And they were building with uh, waterproof bricks in rebellion to God. Basically saying, God, you get another flood, we'll be all right. But here's what the Lord said. He said, because they're one, because they're one with one language, anything they put their hands to, it will not be withheld from them. Isn't that amazing? You see, there's something in unity with even as we are one. Then you start to realize how Satan has worked so hard to make sure the church isn't acting as one. 
Right at the very beginning, remember with Peter and Paul, they had a disagreement because he was basically saying, unless you become like, like us as Jews, you can't be Christians. And Paul had to stand up and say, that's not right. They were about to split. Our own family uh, go back to the Huguenots and they ended up in the Brethren in the 1800s. Some of you may know about the Brethren. There was a split between uh, uh, Darby, John Darby, and George Muller over doctrine. Okay, it was dispensationalism. And basically, spiritual pride came in, and John Darby said, unless you see it like me, you're wrong, and we can't have any fellowship together. Amazing, isn't it? And they split. And then you had the exclusive brethren, which is when my family went into the exclusive brethren, and then there was the open brethren, which was George Muller's side of it. That went on for another 100 years or so, um, and then in the, in the 1950s, things were getting really dark in the exclusive brethren, so much so that my side of the family all came out, thankfully. I was, a very, I was about Charlie's age when they came out. And, but two of my uncles stayed in. And I never saw them all, all through my life. I've got 11 cousins I've never seen. All on the point of doctrine. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy how Satan's worked to split Christians up on the issues of doctrine? Amazing. So we're saying, no, we've got to get back to love. Because that's what Jesus says, that you love one another. Peter's not going to be standing at the, at the gate saying, oh, eschatology, baptism, the Eucharist, all of that. No, no. The question is, faith working itself out through love, isn't it? So what we're seeing is God's bringing us back right to the core of what the early church did, which was to be one in Jesus. And where that's happening around the world, I've got a friend who's planted tens of thousands of churches. They are one. They go as one. Christians together. Now, we might disagree on certain things. That's Okay. Keep that in the four walls of the church. But when we get outside of the church, there's one thing we're concerned about, and one thing only, and that's Jesus and exalting his name. So so we've got to be one. So we've just launched, or in fact, we're just launching tomorrow, it starts across America, a thing called the 30-minute prayer challenge. Now, we're so excited about it. The Lord gave us a download for this. And this is saying to Christians, wherever you're planted, this is the theology of place, if you want to look it up. Very interesting. There's no coincidence where we live. There's no coincidence where we work. Philippians 2 verse 13, God's working in you to will into out for his good pleasure. He's placed us there to be what? His ecclesia. What does that mean? It's a called out people for a purpose. Why are we in our, our neighborhoods? To reveal Jesus, aren't we? That's why we're there, to reveal So we're saying, 30-minute prayer challenge, wherever you live, find another Christian in your locality. Doesn't matter if they don't go to the same church as you. Doesn't matter if they have the same tick, the same the T's and the I, dot the same I's as you. If they know Jesus, we're in the same family. And so we can start to come together. What happens after that is that we invite other Christians. We've moved actually from Ohio now. The Lord led us. There's 30 leaders taken over from what we were doing there. It's great. Moved down to Charlotte in, in North Carolina. In the short time we were there before we came over here on, on holiday, uh, we met a couple of Christians in the locality. And we got talking to them separately. And but on both of them, we said to them, hey, we're just about to start this. Are you interested? Oh, yes, they said, we'd love to do this. One of them was a young lady. Jeannie and I were talking to her as we were walking around. Oh, she said, my parents would love it as well. Can you imagine Christians starting to do that all around the nation? From road to road, community to community. And then every month come together and start planning and praying about the needs in your community. Because we're there for the Great Commission to show Jesus. And so there's unity, there's prayer, 
and we're praying through the Lord's Prayer. So when we're saying we kind of go, so a lot of people don't know how to pray, do they? So we give them an outline of the Lord's Prayer. And then we plan how we can reach, them, reach out to them. And we've done tents of meeting all around Northeast Ohio. We're going to encourage people to think about that. So this is mobilizing Christians. It's a new beginning. I believe it's a new wineskin. And where Christians are doing this around the world, village to village, they, people get saved, they start a church, then he goes to the next village. They don't build big mega churches. Jesus said, just where you start, this is Nehemiah. Where's your home? Where do you live? That's where I am. That's where I'm interested. And start reaching out. So I'm very excited. Please pray for this going across. I'm hearing about different cities all the time. We believe the tip of the spear is going to be the Gen Z generation, the young people. When we go back, in fact, in the short time I was there, we had three invitations to speak to, to Gen Z communities out of the blue. All the time when we were in Northeast Ohio, only had one. Three in about 10 days. Amazing. So pray as we go back. Would you pray that these young people will catch this and it will spread like wildfire across the nation? And it will go from road to road, community to community. Christians coming together where God's planting them. Simply praying for God's kingdom to come. I did this in the workplace in the, in the early 90s. Just my friend and I, we just said, hey, we are the church in this bank. It was actually Midland Bank at the time. Some of you may remember that. Um, we are the church, church here. Became HSBC. Uh, but we are the church in this building, aren't we? Wherever we are, we are Jesus' hands and feet. Why don't we get, to get in early? We got in 30 minutes early to work. We found a conference room, and we simply started praying, Lord, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done in this place. Let Jesus be exalted. And we saw a mini revival in a very short space of time. Over 100 people got involved. And people were getting saved. Other, other banks got involved. It was amazing. Just simply starting to pray what Jesus told us to pray. You see, when we align ourselves with what he told us to do, the armies of heaven are released here on earth. Praise God. So I want to encourage you, whatever, however you're doing, unity, absolutely key. I don't think we, while we're here is to be linking answer, do you? I don't believe that. So we might as well get on with it, mightn't we, while we're here, is to be linking arms with other Christians. Let's put, someone said, a, a, a big prayer general said the other day, he said, the, you know, over the years we've had the crosshairs of the gospel. There's truth, yeah, and that's important. That's Jesus, isn't it? But then there's love. Over the millennial, we focused on truth, and that's caused all the division. Because unless you see it like me, we can't have fellowship. No, no, no. We, we're one in Jesus. And so we've got to come back to love now. Love is the key. Not that you neglect truth. Of course not. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the most important thing is that we love our brothers and sisters in Jesus. By your love one for another, they'll know you're my disciples. So thank you for your prayers. You're all part of it because you've been praying in support of one of us. So many dear friends here. And we're so very, very grateful. Please pray for us. Pray for Ben and Annie. And pray for little Charlie too. Thank you so much. God bless. You better stay here a moment. I think oh. we, we need to pray for you. Oh, yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Reach out hands to yeah. Gerald and Jeannie and, and Ben at the back there. Let's just pray. Ah, Jesus, you know what you're doing. Mm. And we're so glad about that. We're so glad that there are men and women around the world and, and also some in this place we would, we, we would trust all of us to some degree who are able to hear what you're saying on a day. Uh, and that our hearts are increasingly prompted to respond to you. Mm. 
And so for you, Gerard, we, we proclaim a blessing. Your family here this morning over you and Jeannie and all of your family, that, that as you walk the walk, uh, as well as talk the talk, uh, that you'll see the fruit that is in your heart to see uh, and more than you could even imagine to the glory of the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we just want to pray uh, such an anointing on, on Gerard, Lord, such an anointing on Jeannie, Father, um, an anointing on the prayer gatherings, Lord, across the states, Father. Uh, we just ask, Lord, that this would be a new wineskin, Father. We want to see that realized, Lord. Uh, we pray that, Father, there would be a breaking down of the boundaries, Lord, between denominations in America, Lord. I think they're firmer than they are here, perhaps, Lord. We pray, Father, that there would be this desire to meet, Lord, and we just ask that... Um, Lord, there will be such a, we just pray for your kingdom to come, Lord, in these prayer meetings. Lord God, we ask for revival for the states. We pray for revival. We know, Lord, that if revival happens there, Lord, it's going to impact us here, Lord. So we're jealous for revival in the states, Lord. And we just ask for your protection, Lord, for Gerard, Father, your encouragement for them both, Lord. And, uh, yeah, your positioning, Lord, your leading, Father, and your peace as well to sit on them, Father. Your shalom, Lord, to sit on on them father thank you god thank you for gerard's humility lord thank you for his that how for that reason he's a he's a man who can be trusted lord and he's a man who at the same time knows his own frailty lord so so we we just ask for your strengthening lord strengthen him now thank you jesus thank you thank you Mm. amen gerard thank you I, i i totally feel prompted to do something strange um, <clears throat> because of this place. Uh, I believe that we have established a footprint here, that, that there's something on the ground because we're here every week. I'm going to ask those of you can to stand, and we're just going to proclaim God's blessing on this place and, and his light to fall, for lives to be changed. For students to see something they've never seen before. They've heard rumors, they've had laughs at those who talk about Jesus, but that they will begin to see where the life and the reality actually stands. So I'm going to first of all ask you, if you're standing or if you're sitting, to stamp your feet that this is ground that the Lord is giving for his kingdom. And in Jesus' name, Together, our hearts join and proclaim a blessing on this school. Every room, every corner, every person who works here, who studies here, every person who takes care of the practical details, that there will be a recognizable outpouring of your spirit in Regis School in the coming days, in this year of new beginnings, 2024. For the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. anymore. Come and encourage us, please. Thank you, Lizzie. And it's just quite exciting, really, um, life. <laughs> um, I was sitting in my armchair asking for a prophetic word this morning. Um, also, I was reflecting on um, something I'd heard. Liz had sent me a, a video 
um, of a pro prophet in Australia, I think, Lana somebody. Um, and um, in it, she said that um, we were passing from Psalm 23, year 23, to Psalm 24. Um, and our name, the Kingsgate Church, is kind of founded around Psalm 24. So while I was sitting in my armchair, I sang in tongues, and then I sang a portion from Psalm 24. The exciting thing is that the word that Gerard has about portals, which are gates, which is what Psalm 24 is all about, that's a word for us as well. We also have open heaven, you know, and it's how we position ourselves and how we accept that truth that we live to us, the angel armies of the captain of the hosts. And it's remembering all those things. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to try and do what I did in my armchair this morning. So it's out of my comfort zone, but we'll go for it. You see, if, if you're moving in the anointing, it's just so, so exciting. It quickens you in your innermost being. It fires you up to be even more passionate than you are. So just thank you, Lord. Um, I won't sing it all. Um. Que son doro senda la boro deshene miyako. Que esto boro senda la peyana moro senda la ba. Shekolo boro dia senda rande ande la moro de. Hallelujah, Jesus. And when I sing this in English, um, you know, we, it's us, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Can you hear me? Right. My grandson came over from Brighton over at the Christmas, and he's been a nurse in Brighton Hospital for some years, and he was in charge of a ward there. But he left, and he went to Macmillan Nursing. And I said to him, why did you move? And he gave several reasons, but one of the reasons was that lots of doctors are leaving and going to Australia and various places. And we know we have the um, strikes with doctors and all this sort of thing. But I see a vision coming on a white horse. And he, he pulled me onto the back of him. And we threw through the skies. And we went to Israel. And I saw him healing all these different people there. And he said to me, you can do the same. Now, in the past, we had John G. Lake and people like that. 
and John G. Lake had what he called healing technicians, and he left them with people, sometimes for a month, but everyone was healed. And I felt that the Lord is calling all of us, ordinary Christians, to step up our ministry for him. And I feel as people are desperate for healing because they can no longer get it from the doctors, they will be drawn to the church. And I think that we, as Christians in this age, are a bit like Esther. We're called for such a time as this. And God is going to do a new thing in the church. And thank you for everything you've said. The Lord sort of... Uh, well, I think it's so good that we from the Elam are now mixing in with you and it's a sign of what is to come. And I thank you so much. God doesn't always give us big answers to people's problems, does he? Um, a niece of mine sort of just texted this week and said that she was very distressed because one of her sons was not answering her letters. Can you hear me? It's all right. And um, I just sort of thought about it. And then I just had to text her back and say, what, something God put in my heart, but your son knows that you love him. And she texts me back. She said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't have to say much. She said, that's healed the, the heartbreak that I've been experiencing. He knew that, and that was just a simple word that um, I had to give to her. So we don't have to give long explanations, do we? Short one, he knows that you love him. And that settled the appointment for her, or the difficulty for her. And this morning, you probably think I'm silly, and I think maybe we've been a bit spoiled over Christmas, but I felt that we were being, we were abandoned and we were just about to get a taxi so that we could come to the church. And then John te Don telephoned and he said, we're coming to collect you. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, John. That, that phone call was so timely. We praise God for his goodness. I was really struck by one verse and uh, just at the end of Romans 13, um, it's verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the, for the, the uh, yes, for the, for the fresh, sorry, for the fresh, uh, to fulfill the, the lust thereof. But it was the putting on of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I... It's just been, you know, I've been really meditating on that and thinking, how do we do it? We're, we're told to put on the armor of God. Um, I remember somebody years ago saying, how do you put on Jesus? You just, you like putting your clothes on. And he obviously wants to be there. He wants to be the one who is seen when we, we appear, the one who is heard and I just ask, Lord, that you will show us how to put you on, Lord, that you may be the one who is working by your spirit in Jesus. I was really struck by the reading in the, we've been doing the very short thing on John for a few days, 
and there's only one verse each day, which is quite, <laughs> quite, quite nice to concentrate on. But the, today's verse was, Jesus said, I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. And I was, I, I think I did share it a little while ago about a, a Hezbollah terrorist who was, was uh, visited by Jesus in his prison cell in Malaysia, I think it was. And Jesus met him and he, he said, who are you? And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he was really struck by the holiness of Jesus there, and he fell down, he thought he was going to be annihilated. And anyway, he said, eventually he said, but what's your name? He said, I'm Jesus. And he, he immediately got the revelation, the fact that the way, the truth and the life, the way is Jesus, a person, the truth, is Jesus a person? And the life, is Jesus a person? <laughs> and I know we know it, but it was amazing that this chap got this revelation straight away. And it's, it ties along with what um, Ros was sharing. We've, the way, we know the way. This, this Hezbollah chap said, as Muslims, we're looking for the way. We, you know, we're always looking for the way to be better or to be closer to Allah or whatever. <laughs> But he didn't realise that the way was a person, and the other two as well. So it's really an amazing, an astonishing revelation this chap got, and it's it's such a powerful, such a powerful uh, um, clip of, of someone meeting Jesus or Jesus meeting <laughs> meeting him, and of course now he's he's completely uh, moving in 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 the gifts of the Spirit and helping lots of other folks, and hopefully. Lots of Muslims getting saved as well. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I read a scripture here. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. I read with the NIV. In fact, the text is in red here. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And then in verse 16, he then explains what that Jesus means by I'm going to the Father and what will enable you to do the mighty works that Jesus did on the earth and even greater works. Verse 16 of the same Gospel of John, chapter 14, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive him or accept him, because the world sees him not, nor know him. He says, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. You see, it's, we are in the last minute or seconds, if you look at the whole chronology of time, we are really in the last pages. And what the Lord is doing, as you could you know, hear from all the speakers uh, today, uh, is that he's releasing uh, equipment, equipping the body, the church, to be ready to be 
well equipped for that last uh, harvest of souls into the kingdom before he comes. And for me, I will not count myself out, and I would, have, I would implore you not to count yourself out or disqualify yourself from it. And no, you don't say you're little or it can't be you. No, because Jesus said, the one who believes in him, that was the only criteria in that verse that we read. Before, because I know that some might think, oh, the healings and the miracles, they stopped some time ago with the apostles when they died. But Jesus said, the one who believes in him, the works that I do, he shall do. And greater works than this shall you do because of a reason. Because I go to the Father. And I know when I go to the Father, he will send you the Holy Spirit. A deposit of the Spirit is what we have. And that's all the qualification you need. You know, I, I was so touched by the presentation by the lady, uh, one of the speakers before, uh, about, because I've been, you know, studying the character of John G. Lake, John Graham Lake. And I remember you know, meditating on it. And that night I caught a vision and God sent like a cloud of uh, uh, chorus singers and they were singing God's word to me. They were telling me, my divine power has given you everything you need for life and ministry. And I woke up with it. So I'm encouraging you with this. There will be so much healing, so much working of miracles. Do not discourage or disqualify yourself from it. All you need to do is just believe and walk in it. By these miracles, by these healings and these wonders the Lord will wrought in the earth, it will cause souls to be harvested. It will make you an effective witness of the gospel. Because even when John doubted and the disciples of John doubted in the time of Jesus and they came to Jesus, what did Jesus say? Uh, to them when they ask, are you the one or like the Israels, the Jews in Israel are still expecting another Messiah? Should we be like them? Should we expect another one? He said, no, go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, and the gospel of the kingdom is being preached to the poor. We cannot do any less. This is what he has commissioned us to do. So for me, I will be walking, doing what God says I should be doing, rather than explaining what I should be experiencing. Praise the Lord. Um, so I was struck by what you spoke at the beginning, Martin. And, and I saw something in the gospel I hadn't seen before. I bet most of you have seen it. Um, and this is um, when Jesus goes to Nazareth to, to preach. And you know, it's a hostile environment for him because it's his hometown. And we know that in our home, we tend to be under a bit more hostility. So... He was handed the scroll, you know, of Isaiah. I wonder if he could have been handed any scroll, but he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And it says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And so it goes. And I bet he didn't just say the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He's spoken <laughs> big times, which always kind of makes you think Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and then curiously, he sits down. Now, how many preachers do you know starts a preach and then go and sit down? 
well, it's just not like that, is it? <laughs> so, but there was, I hadn't seen that it was a kind of reason because he had a, a, a mission to come and accomplish and then he sat down at the right hand of the father and you know he's done the job as it were you know we are the way to salvation is open and it also says um, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and I think that you know there's this pause in in time where our eyes are fastened on Jesus. And, you know, he hasn't finished because he's coming back. So there's this pause I hadn't seen before. And, you know, this, and he ends up saying, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I, for all of those who already knew that, it was, it was a re revelation to me. So thank you. Oh yeah, I just wanted to say something, just for those who, um, who are not up to date with um, Gen Z, or Gen X as we would say, in, uh, it's Gen Z I should say, uh, so um, yeah, this is really depressing for me, so Gen Z is uh, 11 to 26, so that's the age group that Gerard's looking at to really spearhead, that's what we need to pray, that the 11 to 26 year olds uh, spearhead, and then of course millennials, um, I'm not even a millennial. They're ages 27 to 42. Um, so uh, I guess you guys are millennials in that case. According to, according to this brief uh, Google, and then Gen X, oh yeah, I think I'm Gen X, and then of course boomers, you know, I won't get everyone to identify themselves, but anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, share, read briefly, just a little bit further back in Luke, it talks about... Um, Anna, and I read this this week, and it struck me, um, Luke 2.36, in line of what Emmanuel was saying about don't disqualify yourself. So there was one, Anna, a prophetess, uh, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. This woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, just as uh, Jesus has been dedicated, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So every moment of Jesus' life, I guess, was an was a incredible fulfillment, wasn't it, of, of God's purposes for hundreds of years. Just like when he sat down in the synagogue and everyone looked at him. But this was an and she was devoted to Jesus. So I think that's probably quite a good place for us to start, isn't it? If we want to be effective witnesses and if we want to see miracles and we want to see God moving, um, just play, just, just to fix our eyes on Jesus. And um, just briefly, as we were setting up here, I just um, was glancing at Psalm 105. And in Psalm 105 verse 19, it's talking about Joseph. It's one of those great Psalms that like covers pages and pages and pages of the bible in one psalm so if you want to if you want to get a quick sound you know a quick summary of of god's deeds then read psalm 105 but um and last year of course i've been preaching a bit about samson and i've complained about what a poor example he is but here's a much better example for us from the bible um verse 17 he sent a man before them joseph who was sold as a slave he's a great 
example of, of you know, a great type of Christ. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And I was just struck, of course, one of the reasons we don't like New Year's is that we think, well, what's going to happen in this year? What awful thing is going to take place that I won't be able to cope with? And we get worried, don't we, that, that the unknown, I suppose. Um, and for each of us, that's going to be something different. Uh, we, we all have certain stresses and strains in our individual situations. We've all got um, uncertainties and things that could get really bad, uh, things that almost certainly will happen this year um, that we are going to find challenging, going to find difficult to cope with. And... Um, and I was just thinking about testing, because as a teacher, uh, we have to be very careful when we go into a class and they say, I forgot a test today. You know, if th- th- there are various signs. You know, there's a piece of paper on everyone's desk or, or the desks are all separated or something like that. Or they're being asked to come in in complete silence or whatever. And kids get really worried about tests. So we have to say, no, 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 it's just a, just a quiz. It's just a kind of, you know, a recap. Yeah, any other word but test. But actually, tests aren't that bad. And of course, um, because the thing is, even if you fail a test, it's not a problem because you can take a test again. And God tests us just like he was testing Joseph. And if we happen to fail a particular test on a particular day, it doesn't matter because we take it again. And in fact, the purpose of a test is, is just to see how we're up to, how we're doing is to see um, what our caliber is you know for example as a running we've got running friends here today um, I, I went running um, mid Christmas and I got out the door and it wasn't long before I thought I've eaten too many mince pies you know it was really tough and I thought well um, I was thinking I was going to run eight miles but actually and as I kept going I thought no six will do no five will do you know the distance went down I thought well at least I got out of the door and ran you know and so I so it was a test and I kind of I didn't completely fail the test, but it was a little bit of a struggle, you know, and, and that's the purpose of tests, to just see where we're at. And so God will probably do that this year for each of us. He'll probably see where we're at. He'll give us a little test. And at the time, we'll think, this is it. The chips are down for his purposes. Like Emmanuel was saying, like Gerald was saying, God is moving. These are the last days. And... Uh, and, and we sh- so we should kind of be pleased when we get a little test. Uh, Joseph came through his test with flying colours. Hallelujah. Great work, Ben. Loved it. Totally witnessed it. Have you ever been into a shop uh, and they have a little notice at the back that says, in God we trust, all others pay cash? Have you, have, you, have you never seen that in a shop? Yeah, they, they used to do that in the old days. You know, you remember cash? You know, those little paper things you used to get in your hand, you know, that had the queen's head on it, and you could go into a shop and actually buy things, and they'd give you little bits of metal in, in response to that. And, you know, you went away with your pocket bulging and actually thought you'd had a good deal out of the thing, you know. Uh, nowadays, you just flash a bit of plastic. And Anyway, that's not really what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say was... Um, that we live in a day where trust is being challenged on, on every side, really. Who, who do you trust in? And I think there's an enormous breakdown in trust of the mainstream media, for example, and of politicians and of all sorts of people. In, in a, in, and, and church, you know, because you keep coming up with these stories of uh, 
big ministers of God, and I don't mean big fat ministers, I mean, you know, people who've got a reputation and they fail, they fail the test, as Ben was saying, they've either got caught in some financial shenanigans or, or something else, you know what I'm talking about. And so all, down, all the way around, there's breakdown of trust. And um, um, I've lost my, lost my thread, it will come back after trusting the Lord here. Yeah, that's right. So uh, one thing I want to say, this is the first point, is we have to trust in God. And we can trust in his word. But the second point I wanted to make is that paradoxically, we also live in a day when we are being encouraged to trust in ourselves. And I, I've been over there on the laptop and the, the little uh, PC screen sometimes, for some unknown reason, wakes up and gives me kind of guff about BRCC. One thing that struck me was, and it's on the wall here, which is great, because I, I thought I must remember this, and then I thought I'll never remember this, but it's on the wall. R10, belief. I will develop confidence and have the ambition to achieve my goals. Yeah? And I suspect that point not 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 one percent of the children in the academy have really taken that to heart. But th this is the world we live in, isn't it? Where you're encouraged. Trust in yourself. Be confident. Be strong, self-actualize. You can do it. And I just want to stand here and say, I actually think God's work to the church is exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite, which is you can't do it. And I know this seems to contradict what's, some of what's come before, but it doesn't really. It's you can't do it. You can't do the test. See, Paul said in Corinthians, it, it, there's this big long spiel about all the things he's been through and finally he says this he says so that we might not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead he said earlier on in the same passage we came to the end of ourselves and you remember what Jesus said my strength is made perfect in what weakness Weakness. There's a holy weakness. There's a holy brokenness. There's a holy failure in ourselves so that we don't trust in ourselves, but we trust in God. And I have a funny feeling, I might be wrong, that when the church comes to the end of itself, God will start moving. God will start moving. And I think Ben is right. There will be challenges. And some, some of us are already in challenges and are in weakness. You know, in weakness. And yet in that weakness, God moves. Hallelujah. So I'm not contradicting anything that's gone before. I think we, we, we want all that God has got for us. And we need faith in his word. But if even the Apostle Paul had to come to the end of himself... Well, I have a sneaky feeling it might be for us too. I don't like it any more than you do. I'd rather not preach it, I, you know, but I think it's what God's doing. Thank you, John. Uh, it gets complicated, doesn't it? Uh, I, I think the complication sometimes comes from well, who is it who's testing me anyway? Uh, and quite often, we, we either blame the devil or we blame God. Uh, and we quite often forget that actually it's just life. And the test is, do I believe that he is still with me?
no matter what life is doing. And then on, a d- on days when he tests me, he's usually given me the equipment to win the test. But I've got to get it from him, because I usually don't have it in myself. Uh, I'm a bit dim that way. Uh, and uh, on days, it's just as well. We've had a great encouragement this morning. I hope everyone's encouraged in, in one way or another uh, that we are, we are anticipating new beginnings. Uh, so let's keep our eyes looking for it uh, and as to where our, our little doors of opportunity may be. They, like Lizzie said, they're going to just pop open here and there. And if we're looking, Father, help us. We're going to sing one song to finish uh, uh, and then... We've still got coffee and things at the back. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks to everybody who's helped. John's waving his hands to say, chairs are staying out. Oh, there's the notice. He's in a song um, for us to close as we go. I would love to. Grand. Brother.